Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 121. Of course, the pod named after the fact that in Australia, if you want to see all your European football action, you will need to be up all night long. And it's that time of year where we leap back into it all. So get the kettles ready, double shot your coffees, the Premier League is back and underway. And our Matildas through to a semi-final. Let's go. All right, let's go for another week. Um, Tommy is here to join me as usual. Say hi, mate. Hello. Welcome back. Cooper is here with me also. Say hi, mate. Hey, Sammy. Um, I wanted to start this week by asking you both. We've had one week of Premier League action already. Um, are you excited or deflated by what we've seen already, Tommy? Mm. Can I can I sit on the fence? I'm a bit ambivalent, to be honest with you. Absolutely. I'm kind of, I'm kind of like, you know, the wacky inflatable tube men when they're kind of half blown up? And yeah. just dagging a little bit and then you see something that excites you. He comes up, you're like, oh, he's back. And then, you know, you have to sit through Fulham Everton. You're like, oh, why? why? Yeah, why is this a thing? Yep. No, that is true. Uh, Cooper, are you? I'm deflated. Uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you why. <laughs> I, um, oh, good start. Oh, no. I thought new Premier League season. I was so excited. You know, we've been yep. go- going on the pod for a few weeks now because of the World Cup. So I was ready for a bit more you know, Premier League content and, and things to talk about. So I set the alarm, thought, you know, I'm out injured at the moment, don't have to have a good sleep before soccer. So I woke myself up at 4.25 on Saturday morning, put the TV on, and four minutes later, Erling Haaland had scored and put Man City 1-0 ahead against Burnley. And I just thought, fucking not another season of this shit. Okay. Well, lucky there's only 37 rounds to go. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. It's your fault. If you thought that getting up to watch a Burnley game against Man City was going to be like the highlight of your weekend, then there's something wrong with you, I reckon. Yeah, victim blame, Sammy. That's a good way to start. I'll victim blame all I like. Um, If you're going to get up and watch Burnley, you you get what you're asking for there, I reckon. I'm glad glad one of us did, though. I set the alarm when I went to go to bed, and then I was like, nah, no way. I was laying in bed for about another hour on my phone, and I was like, nah. Oh, that's not happening. And then I just got up, saw the score in the morning, went back, watched the old mini-match as you do so you can get a better feel of it. Uh, the ball was in play in the mini-match for probably more than the real game anyway. So <laughs> is what it is. Um, I personally was... Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, I'll tell you why. Because over in Germany, the league has not started yet. That might also be why I'm excited. It hasn't started, so it hasn't had a chance to deflate me. But uh, Bayern got absolutely trounced in the Super Cup by... Um, Danny Olmo. I'd say RB Leipzig, but it was Danny Olmo. It was the Danny Olmo show. He got a hat-trick at the Allianz. Uh, second time Leipzig have, Leipzig have won at that ground in their last two games. So um, there you go. If you haven't seen the highlights, I'd go back and watch them because Danny Olmo's second goal in particular, where he skins two defenders on the turn and then megs the keeper, is uh, joyous. Um, and then it ended with a half-empty stadium and... We are the champions by Queen playing as they lifted a trophy half-heartedly. But there you go. I love how universal that song is. It doesn't matter like what your predominant language is or like oh, where no. you come from. We are the champions. It rings true. Just comes on. Yeah. Pre-season friendly game almost. <laughs> and uh, it's on. Uh, the best I can't the... say that, can I? Because I, I counted oh. the Shield as a trophy win for Arsenal last week. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. You're a hypocrite. Did you realize that? Yes, yeah, so I'm a hypocrite. I'll just own it. Fine, I'll be the best the best part about the final though, Sammy, was um uh one Harry Kane's debut 
in which he has somehow jinxed another side into a trophyless return. Oh, we can only hope. We can only hope. The Bundesliga gets underway in the, this week coming, I think. So does Syria. Uh, stay tuned. I've, I've got a little preview coming up for that. But um, in written form, you'll have to read it. You'll have to use your eyeballs Ooh. for that one, not your ear earballs, if that's a thing. All right. The Premier League was back. We are going to go through it all, but I think we need to go right back to uh, the Matildas instead. We've been covering the Women's World Cup, keeping a very keen eye on our team, and it's it's been a great ride. It's been a roller coaster. We started off pretty shonky. All of a sudden, we found ourselves in the final four. Can you believe it, Tommy? No, not at all. This far exceeded my expectations. And so every progression, every team that we knock off now um, is just a, it's 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 a wonderment to me it's amazing how that they've they've managed to string this together given how poor we were against nigeria i thought yep um i did listen to someone made a comment that maybe you need to have a setback within a tournament in order to regroup and find yourself and you know find that winning mentality and maybe that's what's happened here yeah potentially so um I'm looking through the lineup again, like watching this game the other night, we just we were pretty well under the pump for a lot of that first half, but then we're kind of creating dangerous chances at the other end anyway. Um, and then the game just went on and on. We really grew into it and started to get a better hold on it. Looked like we were probably the better of it going into extra time. Um, and then it, obviously it goes all the way to penalties and most of Australia uh, only has one eyeball on it, covering the other one, peeking through it. A bit too terrified to watch. Oh, it was just ridiculous drama, wasn't it? Uh, the game itself, I thought, yeah, you summed it up well. We were under the pump again for the first half an hour or so. You know, the same thing that happened against Denmark, same thing that happened against Canada. Um, so that's something we're probably going to have to expect against England as well. But as long as we can stay strong, resolute, and hope that the opposition miss at least one clear-cut guilt edge chance, <laughs> we'll be okay to get through. Yeah, definitely. Cooper, that what are your sh- thoughts? It was a shocking miss, wasn't it? <laughs> Um, I just, yeah, I think, you know, this was a quarterfinal and Sam and I were a little bit more, uh, I don't Ish. know, judge, judge, yeah, potentially pre-tournament saying that we thought the Matildas had to get to a quarterfinal in this tournament for it to be a pass mark. Um, and sort of like, it sort of fits a grading system. It's like now we're sort of talking credit, we're in a semifinal, we're, we're moving up and we spoke last week, we're not sure how far they can go, but we said there's a lot of big teams being knocked out of this tournament already. Um, we saw, I don't know if we'll talk about it or not shortly, but Spain go the first team through to the final just before. And again, they're a team with no experience in, in this depth of a tournament. It's their first World Cup final ever. So it just feels, you know, you're, it's a tournament that's still there to be won for this team. Yeah, definitely. That was the cool part about the semis is that all four of the sides were, whoever won it was going to be a new uh, World Cup winner. So... We are in uncharted territory with all of these teams. I hate to uh, turn it to a little bit of an... It's not really a negative. It's just uh, the way I've seen the games going so far. Do you feel like Australia has to get the job done with essentially the 11 they throw out there? Um, especially once Sam, well, Sam... If you include Sam Kerr in that, um, I feel like... I don't know what the other teams are like. I just feel like we don't have a lot of firepower, many weapons to come on. I feel like our best 11 starts, obviously including Sam Kerr. And then Mm -hmm. outside of that, what do you, because I was trying to think during that second half, there were a few tired legs out there. Obviously we're getting deeper into the tournament. 
Um, Razo has done such a huge workload. So has Gori and Cooney Cross. Um, mm. There were some tired legs getting around, but you just thought we can't really afford to take any of them off because what we have on the bench, I don't want this to sound too disrespectful to those on the bench, but um, are they able to come on and do a job as good as those that are out there? You can you can see you, yeah sorry Cooper you can see Tony G's reluctant isn't he? Yeah 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 um I think as well that potentially gets worse if Kerr starts um because Emily Van Egmond I, I mean I think she's been out of the players that have played heavy minutes at this tournament she's been our least you know our, our, I don't want to say worst is harsh but worst least player. effective yeah least effective is probably yeah. the best way to put her yeah. um and she's not going to come off the bench and be effective as a 10. Um, mm. The only sub that we've made in this entire tournament in any game we've played so far that has had any impact whatsoever is when Alex Chidiak came on in one of the group stage games mm. and she was excellent. And uh, so many people were calling for her to start in the following group stage game. And I disagreed. I didn't think that it was a good decision to start her in that game. I don't think that she is necessarily as good as people were rating her of one tournament, but she is still the only player that's managed to have an impact off the bench at any point. And we've only seen her used off the bench once still. And I just, that's the one that confuses me a, a little bit too much. And I'm not sure if it's because, you know, once you make that change where EVE comes off for Sam Kerr, it's that just like Mary Fowler is that next attacking line or Fowler, Razzo, Ford, and all three of them are still just so much better than Chids. Mm. It's a it's interesting call, isn't it? I agree with you to an extent that she did look the most dangerous, but I think she's the only one that's come on in a game where we were chasing it and Nigeria was sat so deep. And I think so opportunities were presented to her that she may not get in a game that's nil-nil or a game that we're chasing and they're a little bit more defensively sound. Um, I thought Courtney Vine when she come on was good, and I think that's a good change in you know between uh, Rasse. If Rasse needs to come off, um, she obviously takes the the winning penalty, cool as you like. It's definitely centre mid that we are lacking because you can't really yeah. take off either Cooney Cross or Gorry and like feel really confident you're going to get the same return from who comes on. Yeah, well, Cross came off the other night, but not until the 116th minute. Um, yeah. <laughs> Over 120 minutes, we only made the three subs. And I guess just to get a better idea of it, I guess we're not the only ones. Um, France also only made three subs. They made a sub in the 64th. And the other two subs they made were in the 120th minute, right before the penalty shootout. So they had some really tired legs out there as well. Um, I guess I don't really... You know, we're playing England in the semi-final. It's tomorrow night. We're recording on the Tuesday night. Um I don't know what they've got in terms of like firepower off the bench or any game changes, but um, maybe we're just all in the same boat together and everyone's reluctant to uh, to 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 change from their best starting eleven. Yeah, to mess with their best lineup. I think England potentially would have had more firepower if they weren't struck down by injury and a James and- suspension. <laughs> yeah, has a, has a, ga- a game a game too short, but uh, no worries about that because they won't be in the final. So. Yeah, um, I think England have probably the best depth left in the tournament. Um, they seem to have brought Beth England and Chloe Kelly off the bench in every game so far, and I think that's mm. the most talent that we're seeing a side bring off the bench so far. Um, Spain today, they, I mean, the only thing Spain have done that's given them a little bit more depth is Alexia Patea hasn't really started too many games because of the injury she's carrying, but mm. I honestly think she is just so undercooked because. 
she is a two-time Blondie All winner in recent times, and she's looked insanely average every time she's been on the pitch of this tournament so far. Well, she yeah, came off shortly after halftime today, I think, didn't she? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of the Sam Kerr's about her at the moment. Interesting contrast. Uh, both uh, Spain and Sweden had goal scorers off the bench, so maybe mm. fortunate that we're not coming up against them in a semi. We can uh, match up against Spain in a final. Yeah, I mean, I come on, sorry, Sammy. Um, Carmona came off the bench and scored today in the semi, and she did in the quarterfinal as well. So it gives them a little bit potentially. Um, but they do weird things with their team, Spain. Um, Sam and I, our girl from the start of the tournament, Esther Gonzalez, um, started the first group stage game of the tournament, didn't feature in either of the next two, came off the bench for five minutes in the round of 16, then started and played the entirety of a quarterfinal and then only came on in the 95th minute today. <laughs> yeah. Keeping her, keeping her warm, Keep, uh, keeping her cold for the final, man. It's just good squad management. That's what it is. Mm, interesting. Um, are any of you concerned about us having to go to 120 minutes and then a big shootout like that. It's obviously a big, uh, it's an emotional investment as well, physically and mentally draining um, to now go into a semi-final against England who only played the 90 against Colombia, winning 2-1. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's got to have an impact, right? Especially with the quick turnaround of the games. Has to. You've only, you've only got four in between, you know, you can see the girls walking around and everyone is icing something or they've got a compression band or this and that. You are reaching the end of your tether, definitely at this point of the tournament. Yeah, I guess this is just why it's so um, it's such a big deal to win a tournament like this, and you can never kind of dispute anyone's achievement. You know, when we saw teams like Greece win the Euros uh, back in the early two thousands, and when Portugal won it, it's it's a lot of games in a short amount of time to win a tournament like this against the very best in the world. So um, let's see how we go. Uh, do you want to do any predictions? Obviously, if we get through, or, or do you want to talk about Spain and Sweden at all? Or I d- <laughs> I'm so upset that I watched 80 minutes of this game and then for whatever reason was like, ah, this is going to peter out to extra time. Oh, I'll yeah. flick it off. I'm going to go make some dinner and I'll come back and I'll watch extra time. And then my fucking phone is blowing up like, you watching this game? I was like, yeah, uh, shit. Left early to beat the traffic. You're a Crows fan. Oh, I know. I had too many, too many champagne, too many shardies in the stands. I'd finished knitting my sweater, and I thought, "Yeah, I'm done." Yeah, excellent. Predictions: Australia, Australia. England tomorrow night. We're going to win. Yeah, yeah. In extra time, I think. Beautiful, Cooper. Um, if the Matildas are to win this game, they have to do it inside ninety minutes. They won't be able to back up to one hundred and twenty minute performances, won't they? Um, big chance, but I think they need to do it inside 90. Okay. Yeah, okay. Does, Sa- does Sammy start? Has to. If she's fit, she starts. Ooh. Um Ooh, a, be cool. Well, I think the the biggest thing with these these games get, you know, the further and further they go, the more tense and more tense they get. And Simon Hill made a great comment today um, with Spain finally starting Patea in this game, whether she was still a little bit underdone and came off just after halftime in the games and the balances, you have to roll the dice and play your best players from the beginning of these games, hoping that they can have the impact that you think they're going to have. Um, and there was a lot of talk before the quarterfinal, like if you start, if Sam's fit for 90 and we start her and we go to extra time and she has to cut, you're not going to want to take her off at the start of extra time. Yeah. But I, I also don't think she has had any impact whatsoever in games off the bench. I don't think she's improved us. Oh, that's nah. That, I that much coming off the bench. I, I, I honestly, thought, I thought against France she was good. 
I, I honestly don't think she has. I think the only thing that has helped when Kerr has come off the bench is that Fowler has been allowed to come deeper and collect the ball, and she has just been absolutely clinical when she's been allowed to come deeper. Um, but I, I'm not honestly sure she's really created that much for the Tillies off the bench. So I think you start it. I think you have to roll the dice and start it. Yeah, I think I actually think it's been plain to see as soon as she comes on, just the energy alone. Um, and I guess it's not really up to Sam Kerr, but the crowd lifts as well. You know, they get more up and about. And then compared to, I guess, what Van Egmond is able to do up there, Kerr brings the just just so much more energy and drive with the ball. When she's got on the ball and driven forward and then played someone um, played someone in with a pass, I think it's been... Mm been you know there's been enough signs there how much can you realistically do off a bench uh with like limited minutes i don't know um but yeah either way um i don't I know think, what to predict but yeah i think maybe she's getting a little bit of the vadukas about her in that she is such a focal point and she's so important to the attacking link up that you don't actually have to rely on as many goals from her as we think that we do and like what cooper said yeah. mary fowler i can't believe we haven't mentioned mary fowler yet she has been outstanding this tournament. My favourite player. She's given me my favourite moment with the penalty now with how well she hit it. Um, and that ability for her to drop in deep and play off of Sam. Because like Sam, like Sammy said, Sam Kerr's drive and force in behind pushes defences back immediately. And that's what creates the space for the midfielders and uh, Mary Fowler to occupy. Um, so I think when she comes off, uh, comes off the bench, she offers heaps just in that respect. Yeah, fair. Um we haven't really discussed the penalty shootout. I don't know if we need to. It's just a, it was a roller coaster. Yeah, everyone has. <laughs> it was the everyone else has discussed it already. It's the lottery that is a penalty shootout, I guess. And it was back and forth. We had so many chances. Eventually, got it done. Courtney Vine with the winning penalty. Yep. Yep. It's all a bit of a haze to me at the moment. Crazy. Um, but brilliant. I've got one. Got one question yeah, go for on. you on it though. Would you let your keeper take the fifth one? No. Not uh, yeah. If they've put their hand up, to sure. <laughs> this has divided everybody. I don't know I'm why. Sure. I, I think, yeah, go on. No, she's taken pens before, right? And she scored them. I you can't so. tell me that in a squad of nearly 30 players, she's in our two best penalty takers. But what? what why is definitely top in the two? She's in the top five. But where do you, if you're like, where are your best penalty takers taking penalties? One and right? two. Probably one. But then and outside four? that, probably four and five. That would be it matters, man. You've got five penalties. You need to score them. You're just putting them in there. If she's in the top five and she's put her hand up, and I was, I thought you were going to go down the goalkeeper argument that the goalkeeper can't possibly. It's just a penalty. Seriously, just step up and put it in the side netting. Why is it so hard? Well, um, she didn't. <laughs> she didn't, but she went close. She hit she it too close. well. Um, yeah, if anything, hit it too cleanly. <laughs> a bit of commentary. Um, yeah, no, nah, just it's whatever. When you get to those moments, it's always a case of who is willing to or who mm. no one's out there selecting, oh, you're the best penalty taker, you're the best. People know uh people know if they've got the stones or not and want to take one and they'll put their hands up. And they would have all they would have definitely spoken about it before the tournament started, I'd say, because it's it's definitely a prospect of it happening. Um is um I just wanted to ask, Tamika Yallop came on with three minutes to go in this game, and I'd assumed it was to take a penalty. And then she took the seventh penalty. Mm, Does it just seem like a very pointless substitution? 
Was that just to get Cooney Cross off? I, I just, that I honestly just wondered if maybe less about Cooney Cross being munted, or maybe about like Kyra just chronically has noted before that she did not want to take a penalty at any stage of this tournament, <laughs> and it was it was like if we get through eleven penalties and she has to take one, we are fucked. So she's on the sideline, like thank God I do not have to do this. Well, how excited was the French keeper, the one that came off on the bench? It was like the the weight of the world was off her shoulders. <laughs> Can't be blamed for this. <laughs> this isn't on me anymore. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah, the only one in the lineup I thought was weird was Claire Hunt going before Courtney Vine. But outside of that, fine okay. with it. We need to move it on. We've spent a yep. long time on this. We need to move it on. Um, There's plenty of other stuff we need to get through. We'll go across to the Premier League now. Obviously, good luck to the Matildas Wednesday night. I think maybe depending on uh, – we'll probably maybe catch up for another little quick pod between now and the final if we win. Um. <laughs> It's just like the public holiday, only we'll, if we win. Yeah, we'll see how we go. Um, all right, Premier League football. I'll start us off with a quick little fantasy update, though, because the Fantasy Football League is back up and running, the Night Shift Football League. Um, if you joined one, last Sammy? year, I have had a mare, and I didn't know there was a Renew League button, and then I saw it tonight, and I thought, what will happen if I press this? And what do you know? It renewed last year's league, so now there are two night shift football leagues one of them has no scores in it because it's going to start this week i guess but the one that we started this year guess who's on top last year's winner todd's flogs todd leads the way uh joint leader with uh sean watson at the moment what those wanderers both got 87 um but cooper you wanted to shout out a friend of ours uh dylan evans you wanted to mention his team you got some issues <laughs> i just I was saying to Tom before the podcast, I feel like it's like not having Haaland as your captain in fantasy is such a risk because everyone else does. And if he has one good week, um, you're just doomed because everyone else has him captain and they're just so far ahead of you off one game. And we saw that after game one. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people in a few leagues that I'm in that went, went the alternate route and thought, you know, I could captain De Bruyne or someone and if Haaland doesn't score oh. and De Bruyne, De Bruyne scores and gets a few assists, I could be ahead of the pack. Yeah. And I understand that thinking. What I don't understand <laughs> is having Darwin fucking <laughs> Nunez as your captain. I just can't work out what the thought process was. He's had yeah. a ripper preseason, um, clearly. I think... Dylan, if you're listening, I think you have had a mare there and it's resulted in uh, 41 points in game week one. Uh, you know what? Our team will probably do worse at some point this year, but at least we'll have Highland as captain. Um, I don't you. know if I don't deal, I don't know if you just forgot to pick your captain or not, but um, maybe you did and it just automatically put it on Darwin and you've been screwed <laughs> there, but um, maybe change that, change that this week, mate. All right. Have a bit of a look at that. All right. Into some games. Let's go through chronologically. We'll start with the opening game, which you were really upset you got up for, Cooper, but Man City beat Burnley 3-0. Do you want to take us through it since you were good enough to get up and watch it? Oh, not really. Um, I saw that, that that video I sent to you guys, the uh, normal human hours the morning after the game of that that guy that was saying, you know, I thought you know, we've, we've had a bit of a, a break three months off. I thought we'd go away and these pricks would realise, you know, this big Norwegian bastard would realise there's, there's more to life than scoring goals yeah. and, and winning trebles. But apparently there's not. And he's come back and he's decided he just wants to spend another nine months fucking the rest of the league again. So, <laughs> Well, he's gone in and he's, he's scored with his first touch of the year or the season. <laughs> And then his second goal, he's 
essentially facing the goals at the other end when he hits it and he just loops his leg around it like some freak and it hits off the bar and goes in. Um, they're just, just, I think a lot of people probably saw this result coming and um, it's one of those, no matter what sort of Burnley shows up, whether it's a park the bus Burnley like Sean Dyche had or the more expansive kind of looking Burnley that we thought company would want to bring at the end of the day, Man City, a Man City, and they're going to beat lots of teams by score lines like this or more. Mm, they're going to be all of the teams by this scoreline, I think. <laughs> it was it, like the second goal, Harlan's second, is just ridiculous. It's one of those freak FIFA moments where you're playing against the AI and they'll do one of those shots on the turn and you're like, how the fuck did that go in? Yeah. But no, it makes sense in like reality because it's fucking Erling Haaland. Uh, Burnley upset me in this game because I was really wanted just them to be physical, rough, and bombing the ball long to Chris Wood. And there was none of that. And that's how it set me greatly. Were you just hoping Chris Wood would <laughs> show up and play? I just thought it would be nice of him to come back out of his semi-retirement. I don't know what he's doing at Forest at the moment, but... <laughs> I tell you, I, I, the thing that pissed me off the most watching this game is... Here we go. I was already annoyed after Harlan bagging goals and going, fuck, they're going to romp the league again. I would have been annoyed when my alarm went off at 4.30. Yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> For a Burnley game. Burnley <laughs> game. What's wrong with you? Um, I don't know who was in charge of fixturing and thought that opening the season at Turf Moor was a good decision either, but here we are. Um, but in the 79th minute of this game, Pep Guardiola went, fuck it, and just ripped his centre-back partnership off the pitch. And that is just something that you never see. Like It's rare that you see one centre-back substituted in a game of football, but he just went, no, nah, we'll just change the whole combination at the same time for the last 10 minutes and brought Imeric Laporte and Josko Vardiol off the bench. Now, that would be the best centre-back oh. combo at any other team in the league if it started. Well, I can't even okay with the centre-backs. I, I forgot that they signed Vardiol. Yeah. Yeah, so they started... Okay, and Akanyi. So Mental. Laporte, Vardiol, and Ruben Diaz were their three unused centre backs in this game. Are we going with Laporte? <laughs> Let's get the style guide out. Are we it can't be right. Are we yeah, going Laporte. with Laporte? I think we're going well, with Laporte. Well, I think when he played for France, it was Laporte, and now he's was it d- done he's the English old now done the old dog. Laporte dog, dog, dog the French Italian. Spain. We're back to. You know what? Call him whatever the fuck you want. I don't like Gee, him. All right. Oh, well, all right. okay. <laughs> Sorry, we're upsetting Cooper now. Okay. All right. Jeez. We're he was deflated. Remember, he's okay. deflated. I am. Um, my the only thing, other thing I wanted to mention from that game was like it's watching it back. It looked like Rodri had like a hundred shots, and he ended up with a goal and an assist, and he was shooting from everywhere and getting it on target. He was also like winning headers in the box and stuff. Weird. Just that guy's all over the place. It's unreal. Um. Moving on to the Saturday night games, obviously Arsenal had the early kickoff, which was delayed, I think, due to a ticketing issue that left people stranded outside the ground. But um, they got away pretty good. Uh, got out to a 2 0 lead at half time. Very disappointing second half. The way they just, it was so Arsenal of them just to take their foot off the pedal a bit and let the team back into the game because Forrest looked fairly like, you know, they, they had nothing really. They had one chance in the first half that they wasted. Aside from that, they were pretty poor. And then Arsenal just sat back and found a way to let them have it and get back into mm. the game. Really annoying. And it made for some nervy moments towards the end. Um, massive frustration for me, though, to see uh, Jury and Timber come off. Um, new signing. It looked like a, a fairly decent injury to decent, insensitive 
uh, a proper one, which could see him out for some time. Um, which is a so private school injury uh, to get a new a new player and then see that happen. Other f- a few other things that ticked me off was I didn't wait all off season to tune in and see Eddie and Kedia starting up front, but here we are. <laughs> he scored a goal. Uh, I shouldn't be too harsh on him. He scored a goal off a great Martinelli assist, but. You know, whatever. What I, is, so what's your beef with Enkedia? He's just not that great. You want more? He's, he's the second great. striker. Yeah, well, just play Havertz there. Um, I also didn't wait all off-season to tune in and see Thomas Partey play right back while Ooh. Gabriel sat on the bench and Ben White, who played right back last year, played at centre-back. I just, I'm <laughs> completely baffled by some of those, uh, but it is what it is. And that's a, a three points for Arsenal. Moving on, Bournemouth drew with West Ham. I don't know if either of you turned tuned into that one. I think we named the team we wouldn't be watching the the Bournemouth, the Bournemouth Trophy or the Bournemouth Award. Um, none of us chose Bournemouth for that, but we probably still won't watch them anyway. They drew one all with West Ham, but Brighton beat Luton four one. Cooper and you had a bit of an eye on this. I did. Um. I said during the week to you guys that I wanted to double down on a comment that you both laid into me um, for preseason, which was that Luton Town will concede 100 or more goals in the Premier League this this season. Um, Mm -hmm. And they've gone to Brighton. Did we fight you on that? You did. Did we? Um, You did, yes. You were were telling me that I was seriously underrating Luton and that they weren't going to be good, but they weren't going to be as bad as I thought they were going to be. That doesn't Um, sound like us. You've made that Again, up. I have not. You can go back and have a listen because Welcome I thought... Welcome to Night Shift Football where people <laughs> gaslights us. <laughs> Are you on a different podcast, Cooper? Well, you I genuinely just... Confused. I just wondered, like, am I actually being a fuckwit here or not? And then I tuned in and watched them concede four goals. Bryden also hit the post four times. They <laughs> honestly could have scored seven or eight in this game. And I just... Luton look like one of these teams that have come up and they're like, you know what? we're the underdogs, but we're not going to sit back and try and get points. We're going to attack these teams. And they just got fucked for 90 minutes. Mm. And if they do it every week, they are going to just be a disgrace. What, Derby points record disgrace? Who knows at this point, but they need to they need to get their wits about them and go, shit, this isn't the championship. We suck in comparison to these other 19 teams. If we want any chance of surviving, we should probably sit some numbers behind the ball and just hoof the thing. Uh, All right. <clears throat> it almost, That's grim. It, it almost sounds like you don't rate Brighton, though, and you just think it's Ooh. Luton being bad. That's no, how it feels. I, I think Luton have lost to a top eight side. Well, I don't think it's that... like. I think you've flown off the handle a little if we're going round one, like first game. Um, if you would like to double down as well, you also said Aston Villa would keep the most clean sheets and they conceded five. So by um, <laughs> that, they conceded more goals than Luton. So they're going to concede more than 100 goals as well, aren't they? Wouldn't that be a sight? Fucking hell. Unai Emery just like pulling his hair out. What have I done? Yeah, we'll get to that game. I'm getting petty now. I just wanted to pick on Cooper. But <laughs> um, yeah, I do agree on Luton though. They're, they they look pretty ordinary and they're going to have to sort that out. <laughs> Tommy, I don't know if you watched any of this one. I saw a little bit. I'm going to be rooting for Luton all season. So look, let's yes. hope that they can, let's hope they can get up. Um, I just thought it was funny. How much can you overrate or underrate a Brighton side that has uh, like a 98-year-old James Milner playing fullback? Yeah. What? You're not... That's not a top 10 side, surely. Like, no. they've got they've got another right back. Uh, but the rest of them played well. Matoma's awesome. 
Um, you know, Danny Welbeck keeps doing things. The Stupanan's nice. Um, uh, one of their new signings came off the bench. Uh, Simon Adingra got his debut goal. Like, what what more do you need? Yeah, um, very good. Evan Ferguson needs to start games of Premier League football too. This kid is a genuine gun. He's going to be a very good player for Brighton mm-hmm. if he stays there for a long time and he can't be sitting on the bench behind Danny Welbeck. Oh, that's stiff on Welbeck. I agree with you on Ferguson. I think um, he'll get his chances, though, definitely. It's a long season. They'll come about. Um, How long until Ferguson changes allegiances to uh, England and starts up front for them in the Euros? No comment. A month. <laughs> I think we should just normalise the phrase rooting for Luton. Um, moving on, Everton lost 1-0 to Fulham. I think I had Fulham as my team. I'll never watch this season. Who had Everton? Yeah, it was me. Yeah, nice. Um, but we did watch the highlights. That's what we did do. We didn't watch the game. But we watched the highlights. And the only thing I wanted to bring up from this game was that, um, was it Tarkovsky? Yeah. It was um, a Everton scored. I don't know who put it in the net, but... The referee called a foul against Tarkovsky for a foul on the keeper. And it's one of those ones where he's already standing somewhere and he exists. He can't turn invisible. And the keeper runs out, catches it and lands on him, drops the ball. And it's given a foul against him for just existing, really. And it just triggered me. That's a shocker, isn't it? The goalkeepers are far too protected. I mean, how long have this phrase been going around? This is like an ancient phrase now. Uh, there's no foul in that, and I don't, I don't know where, I don't know what to say after that. To be honest with you, it's just always seemed to me. I was explaining this to people the other day as well. Like when I was a goalkeeper, I used to like get given free kicks all the time from referees, and I'd have no idea why. Like I would just be there, and there'd be a bit of a collision in the box. Sometimes it would be me coming to try and get the ball. And like no one else has moved. I've moved into them and all of a sudden I'm getting a free kick and I'm like, oh, okay, mm. what's this all about? It's it's just ridiculous. Um, there's also the argument, I guess, that he dropped it onto his hand and because it hit his hand and then led to a goal that it could be called handball. I just think, just can we just start getting a bit of common oh, sense? Like no. it's round one. I don't want to have to go through another 37 <laughs> rounds of this. Like, can we just use some common sense with handballs, please? That um, is absolutely clutching the handball thing. There's no way you can't like drop a ball on someone's hand and say, "Oh, oh, oh that's handball, that's handball." Yeah, ridiculous. Um, Sheffield United lost one 0 to Crystal Palace. I don't know if you saw that one. Anyone? Nope. It's going to be one of no, 38 I losses, so I believe. Um, but it did. It did mean that all three promoted teams did lose in the opening round. Um, and Luton were the only ones to score a goal. Cooper. Does that mean they're going to score a hundred goals? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> Moving it on, Newcastle 5, Aston Villa 1. I believe a lot of people would have had eyes on this, given the signings for both sides. Um, I was pretty keen for it. Um, did either of you two watch this? No, yeah, my, my my inherent hatred for Newcastle means that I can't watch a single game of theirs. But please, regard me, Cooper. Um, yeah, I did. And Sandro Tonali scored six minutes in after I said that he was going to be the flop of the season. Yeah. And then Aston Villa scored five goals, conceded five goals, sorry, after I said they'd keep the most clean sheets this season. And I, I just feel like, you know, we're, we're five games in and my, my season's over, I think. <laughs> You're sacked. We're sacking you, man. <laughs> um, but I made a comment. I come to you with some Twitter statistics, Sam. Um, Here we go. I made a comment last week that I thought that Newcastle would 
try and ease Sandro Tonali into the Premier League by deploying him next to Joel Linton and letting him sit and um, letting Joel Linton do the work. And and you are right. I don't know a lot about. I haven't watched a lot of Sandro Tonali at AC Milan. Um, I just I know it's a difficult league to come into. Um, but Sandro Tonali easily covered the least ground of any midfielder on the ground in this game. He did just sit and Joel Linton did just run around like a fucking headless chicken. But anytime Tonali had the ball, Villa got nowhere near him and every pass he played was unbelievable. And if he is just going to sit in this hole and Gamares and Joel Linton are going to like, run around like idiots for 90 minutes every week, they're going to be a fucking hard team to beat. Oh, yeah. He is class. He is absolute class. And still a little rough around the edges and raw, like I've been saying, but... You know, he's going to come along just fine. Um, I also, I love Newcastle's post afterwards with a photo of him celebrating saying, bro, doesn't even want to be here. Like, <laughs> that is classic banter. Um, But yeah, Tonali, just just class on the ball. He was involved in a lot of their build-up for their goals and stuff. Um, Just some of the, there's crucial passes where he just break the line. And he's probably not going to get a lot of assists for that in his game, but it's the pass that cuts it open that then leads to a pass that, that crosses a ball and then scores. Yeah. Um, that sort of stuff. But the whole team, they were just pretty impressive. Um, for Villa, I guess, uh, new signing, the one we mentioned last week, Musa Diaby, he got on the score sheet as well. The new boy from Leverkusen. So, um, I don't know. It's not all doom and gloom for Villa. I think Villa have had a bad day and Newcastle have had a good day. I don't think these two teams are that far apart. Um, I do think Newcastle are a better team, but, but probably not by four goals. Um, just to watch and see for both of them at this stage. I still, think I maybe the injury to Tyrone Mings is bigger than we're giving credit to. I think and as much as I... as well. Yeah, that's it. And so now you've got, you know, two uh, stalwarts at the back and now they're, they're not going to be a part of this uh, team going forward. Uh, they're probably going to have to go out and try and sign someone now, you would think. And that puts a big spanner in the works. Mm. Um. I'm just trying to get this team up here. Uh, yeah, where is it? P- potentially. I mean, they still do have Diego Carlos and Pau Torres who came on that um, both in the start. Callum Chambers there too. They got a bit of defensive depth. Um, Yuri Tillemans also didn't start, so they're obviously easing him into life yeah. at Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. And he's easily going to be probably their best midfielder and become one of their most important players by the end of the season. Sorry, by season's end. So, um there's a lot more to come from Villa. I think Sam's spot on. They had a bad day against a really good team. Um, and they're far from written off by anyone. Yeah. Does that reevaluate where Newcastle will finish this season? Because they've come out humming. Um, they play City now next. Uh, is that like maybe a, a top two clash that we're looking at very early? I don't think so. I'm still not convinced Newcastle have all the pieces yet. I certainly don't think they have the depth. I mean, they had a sub come on and score, but... Um, you know, like Barnes and Gordon, I think you can take one or the other, starting or bench one. Um, yeah, I'd be having then, Barnes, I reckon. But then you look at the other players that came on, Jacob Murphy, Sean Longstaff, Elliot Anderson. Um, okay, you know, I see where you come Compared to yeah. Aston Villa, brought on Pau Torres, Yuri Tillemans, Diego Carlos, and Felipe Coutinho. Um, you know, I'm still not sure Newcastle have all the pieces there, but I still think them coming up against City this early after both have had... Big round one wins is is super exciting. I'd rather that than see it in maybe five or six weeks' times where um, where Newcastle have potentially dropped a few more points and Man City are just going on their merry way. 
Yeah, this would be a great contest. Anything else? Newcastle or Villa related? No, um, my opinion just... doesn't change on either. Yeah. Um, nah, they're, they're going to be... I, I agree with you. I don't think they have all the pieces. Um, what they're going to do that I potentially thought they might not, I thought they might have been one of those teams that, you know, now they've got Champions League football to deal with as well. They might drop to a sixth or seventh this season. Um, what they're going to do is make it seriously hard for those big boys that fell out of the top four last season to get back into it this season. Yeah, definitely great call. Um, we'll move it on. Brentford to Spurs to so onto the Sunday night games and making his uh, Premier League debut on the sideline for Spurs. Um, Pinch me. To a result, Tommy. Is that bad, or is it okay? This, uh, it's. I guess it is kind of bad on the surface because I think you would want okay. on the surface until you yeah. actually look at the game. And you realize that the two goals that they concede are just so very Spurs. Like it is so ingrained in this team to shoot themselves in the foot. The penalty that Son gives away is so needless. And then the own goal on the, oh, not the own goal. I think they gave it to uh, Visser in the end, but the, the deflected goal past the keeper, the defending is so poor. Mm. And I don't know that that's down to structure either. That just, it looked no. like a lack of willingness in some players to track and, just positioning was all off. Um, but outside of that, Spurs looked good. Um, I thought the rotation of the midfielders was really nice and the way that they they um, passed the ball around. It looked a world away from Conte and Etal. Yeah, interesting. I was thinking a little differently. So um, I, I just, I think a point away to Brentford on the first day is really good. Like Brentford are a tough team. They mm-hmm. play good football. They're, they're by no means boring and, um, you know, they're, they're pretty strong at home when the crowd gets up and behind them. Um, they really take it to teams. And so I think a point away there on the first game isn't isn't too bad. And you've scored two goals. The other stuff you can work on. Yeah, agree. Um, I'm with Sam here. I don't think it's that big of a result. Um, sorry, that bad of a result. Yves Basuma looks an absolute world beater in this system. He was phenomenal. And I think that um, allowance to move forward and support Madison a little bit more and play in what seems like it's going to be a much more attacking system than what we've seen from Spurs is going to just like elevate his game to another level. Um, I think there's more to come from Kulisevsky. Son was quiet. Um Richarlison just didn't really get into it 100%. He had good moments. Um, but again, I don't think he really had a clean-cut chance made for him. Mm. Madison, Madison was the best player on the pitch by a long way. He was fantastic. Um, they're a midfielder short, though. It seems Ange is not a Emil Hoiberg fan, um, which is fine because I don't necessarily think he's a world beater for the Premier League. Agreed, but if yeah. he's not going to use him, they cannot be playing Oliver Skip for 75 minutes in their mm. midfield if they're serious about playing European football. So I think they are still a midfielder short and it doesn't cool. seem like they're going to be signing anyone at the end of this window. Which is weird given the cash injection they've just received. Um, I like we said about Basuma, scored a couple of goals in preseason. Uh, yeah, he. I think he's only got one professional goal in his entire career, but he's definitely going to be adding to that. And if you've got a side where Emerson Royale is banging in um, sweet strikes from outside the box, you're definitely going to score goals this season. The midfielder thing is interesting. 
maybe, you know, because it's not unlike Ange to really put his faith into an academy product and someone that's young that he sees potential in. Maybe he can get something out of Oli Skip that we can't see. Uh, I know he had a few good loan moves. I think he was in Norwich's promotion team and he played really well. There's there's obviously a player in there, um, but this might just relate back to the hyper transfer window world that we live in where you just, you know, you need to go out and sign fucking Lavia and Carcedo for 200 million pounds in order to, you know, for you to think that a midfielder is actually worth its weight in this, in this league. I'd, I'd like to give him some time, Skip. Cool. We'll move it. We'll keep it moving on. Um, Chelsea, Liverpool, just on that Carcedo and Lavia note, uh, these two have been fighting it out in the transfer. We know now fighting it out on the pitch. Cooper, you get away with a point at Stanford Bridge on the opening day. Happy, not happy with that. Um, I think fair result. I'm I'm a little bit undecided about happy or not happy. I don't really know where we are. I think while we have no holding midfielder at all in this squad or at this club anywhere, I'm pretty happy with a one-all draw at Stamford Bridge. Um, Alexis McAllister played in that role and he was pretty good, but he's just so much better up the pitch and he got sucked up a few times because it's just not his natural position. And there was just this gaping hole in that defensive mid spot that Chelsea went through every single time, um, which is a bit concerning. It looks, you know, we've missed out on Caicedo to Chelsea. We've now missed out on Lavia to Chelsea because they somehow have 200 million pounds to spend on midfielders, even though they already have 400 million pounds worth of midfielders in their hey, midfield. No, don't snitch. Just, no snitch. I just, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure. It's going to take a while for this team to mold um, new signings. We probably had the better chances, but they were probably the better team. Um, both look like teams that are going to concede a lot of goals again this season in the Premier League, though. Um, there was just some horrific defending at many points in this game from both sides. Yeah, for sure. You told me welcome to the Premier League. Um, there was no home team that kept a clean sheet in this opening fixture list, which is, I think it's, that's nuts. I'm not sure you've ever seen that before. The midfield three of Gakpo, who was a striker, McAllister, uh, McAllister and uh, Shabazai, who are more forward-prone midfielders, you're right. You are sorely missing someone to guard the defence. And I I don't know where that signing's coming from anymore. Mm, yeah, stay tuned. There's still a bit of transfer window left. Still a lot to happen. It feels like it's been oh. a bit of a shambolic window, but um, I fi- I figured it out. You can have Tyler Adams. Just come in. Just oh. activate the release clause. Done. Gross. Twenty mil. He's all yours, guys. Um, yeah. Feelings haven't really changed on Chelsea or Liverpool. There, I think. Um, we're all probably getting the shits with Chelsea. With this uh, this transfer stuff, um, I just don't. I don't, know. Ca- I don't care to be honest with you. I don't care. I mean, uh, we're we're so post. No, the reason I care. Money. The reason I care is because everyone keeps pretending like FFP exists. Can we just scrap it and like just accept that it doesn't exist? It's not a thing, and everyone just go back to their merry ways of doing what we want. Like it doesn't matter. The Saudis are throwing out. We got nation states throwing out like a hundred mil at PSG for Neymar. Like. Who gives a fuck about any of this? Like, let's just watch the football, I guess. Like, yeah. Like City have 115 charges or something. Like, they don't mean anything. They're not they're not real, obviously. And no. Chelsea are just going out, just buying and buying and buying and buying. Um, like whatever. Who cares? I think FFP's existence is in Levi Colwell playing at, at left center back for Chelsea, who got absolutely monstered by Mo Salah in this game. 
there were so many moments where he just got his pants pulled down. It was insane. And the first that Liverpool's goal, I thought was excellently worked. Like that was a beautiful goal. McAllister into Salah into Diaz. Wonderful. And that was the best yeah. moment of the game for sure. Lovely. Last game of the round. Um, Tommy, you just said none of the home teams kept a clean sheet, but Man United did uh, 1-0, albeit after... Oh, true, of, true. Sorry, after, I read this before this game. <laughs> after a lot of controversy, um, geez, it looked like an opportunity missed by Wolves. They had some brilliant counter-attacking chances that they just weren't clinical enough to take. And then um, United got their goal through Rafa Varane, and then stoppage time, Onana comes out and basically assaults a Wolves player, and it's not a penalty somehow. I did. My unnecessary red card for the season was some wild Wolves defender assaulting Garnacho, and that didn't happen. But it almost happened on the flip because mm. Onana would have caused an entire city to close their clubs at 3 p- uh, three a.m. for that kind of challenge. <laughs> Lockout laws. Lockout laws because of Onana. this guy. Yeah. What What a ridiculous decision. I just... <sighs> Afterwards, you know, they get they wheel Dermot Gallagher out and they're like, oh, why wasn't this a penalty or why was this a penalty? Yeah. And the guy always defends whatever the fucking referee makes the decision yeah, on the pitch. Crap. What's the point of having him? It's precisely, but it's like <laughs> in the in the post of this, if everyone's agreed it's a penalty and then the PGM OL come out and apologize and then Cooper reckons that they've dropped every single ref involved in this game, how the fuck can it not be a clear and obvious error that VAR have to intervene and turn this around? Yeah, 100%. Um, we'll just put... What's his name? Is it Dermot Gallagher? Yeah. Put him in the same pile as FFP. Just forget it. Scrap he's him. In, he's in the Joker pile. Get rid of him. I've always... We've talked about this in like last season and season before. Like Every time he just defends the referee or says, oh, I can understand why he's done. Shut the fuck up. Just tell us whether we got it right or wrong. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't expect the referee to never make mistakes like exactly they're gonna yeah. fuck ones up we're gonna get decisions that are wrong it will happen that sport but then i don't need this guy to be on tv like acting like it's propaganda that he has to defend them like just say it and we'll <laughs> accept it and we go yeah you got it wrong cool let's move on he's um almost as redundant on sky sports as uh daniel Sturridge's new role in trying to describe to the youth what a stanky leg is Sorry? oh guys i'm gonna i'll post this on the page tomorrow Daniel Sturridge is now a Sky Sports punter. It's the most cringeworthy, ridiculous sight you've ever seen. I'm also pretty convinced that Daniel Sturridge is a drug addict. Um, some of the things that <laughs> in, the, in the last 12 months are just chronically insane. Lucky nobody listens to this or we could get sued. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, All God. right. Well, I think that's a bit of a wrap on the Premier League. Uh, 37 rounds to go. So let's go. Get excited. Um, just a quick one. Usually we would start with, uh, you know, laughing at PSG, but what not really laughable, but they did draw their opening game of the year, nil-nil against Lorient. So Ligue 1 has started, but, you know, oh, do we care? Are we going to look at it maybe in five or six weeks and then maybe five or six weeks after that? Um, La Liga yeah. also came back. Barcelona drew their first game of the season, nil-nil with Getafe, and Real Madrid had a 2-nil win away to Bilbao. And Jude Bellingham scored the opening goal of the game. There's a brilliant photo. If you haven't seen it, Jude Bellingham in front of the Bilbao supporters, just standing there with his hands in the air. And it just, the kid is just absolute quality, such class. Um, Agreed. What can he do? German Cup got underway. Italian Cup got underway. Nothing too important just yet. We'll check on in a few rounds. But Bundesliga and Serie A kick off in the weekend ahead 
Obviously, the SPL has started and it's two weeks in. It's all going on. We're back into it. The Matildas are going to win a semi tomorrow night. Let's go. Yep, up and about. I liked. Um, I looked. I saw a little bit of Celtic Aberdeen. Um, I don't watch it too closely, but mm-hmm. someone commented that Aberdeen looked the best that they've looked in decades. Is that? Did you get that impression? Decades. That's a big call. It's a big call. Yeah, they looked okay. They were, they took yeah. the game to Celtic for good chunks. Um, I don't think Celtic had their best day out, but we did enough in the end and got the result. I guess so. Yeah. Um, how do they? How do they look post Ange? Do you think they'll be alright? They're going to be fine. Ange has left him in. This is the best position Celtic have been in with a squad at the time of a coach leaving for for so long. Like he has done the rebuild. It's there. They don't really need to do anything else. And if anything, they've got an equally or potentially better, maybe worse manager in. Certainly, I don't think Brendan Rodgers is any lesser of a manager than Ange Postecoglou. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're in a very, very good position. Yep, excellent. No, good to see. I uh, saw Rangers strengthened a little bit, so hopefully there's a little bit of a title race to come. But yeah, nonetheless, I had a little Yankee watch. Um, Cassini is just ripping it up right now. Four goals, three games. Uh, the Ruse, Socceroos assistant is going to head over there and cast his eye over him and the uh, the young city loanee Robertson. Um, it was interesting because he did a post-match uh, press conference, or he was part of it. And that there must have been an Australian guy there because the A-League got brought up somehow. And he made the comment that uh, the summer heat really kills the A-League and it never fully allowed him to develop. Yeah. And on one sense, I was like, yeah, there's no knock on this because that is obvious. We've yep. had the same point forever. But on the other hand, I was like, uh, really? I mean, most of the games are played at night. Most of the training's done in the morning. I don't really see the idea of three months of summer where you actually play a game could stunt your growth that much from a guy that just bounced from club to club and never was really settled. So I think the obvious answer is just that lower league England is shot. <laughs> that was it? my point. Like, is that the A-League is greater than League One. Well, that explains a lot when you look at Zach Cloth, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> I don't think we need to go down this hole now, but perhaps we can save it for maybe... Uh, we need to do an Adelaide United episode at some point, a red edition, maybe not this week, but they did have a win in the cup against Northcote. I think we would just be making stuff up if we tried to talk about it. It wasn't a great watch. It was it was tough. We got it over the line. It's it's done. We won it. On to the next round. Um yeah. but yeah, and there's we'll, so there's so little Adelaide news. Like what is, would we even talk um, about? <laughs> that's the most disappointing thing I thought about if we did do a red edition, it would be mostly just us whinging that we haven't signed anyone so um yeah oh well um anyway it feels good to be back into the the swing of european football let's keep it going um have a great week folks go the matildas hopefully you hear from us before next week and that means the matildas are in a final um but what an incentive (laughs) yeah oh I'm, i'm getting nervous for it let's go it's uh it's under 24 hours away now go the tillies have a good Up week, folks. 